All right, gentlemen, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and I am the founder, host, and curator of this show, which is tasked with helping young men of God pursue lives of godliness, pursue manful lives, uh, pursue the godliness uh, that's described in Scripture, uh, pursue the Lord the way we were meant to, truly living out our calling as men of God, being the men that God has created us to be. Today's episode of the Gerda Podcast is sponsored by Pastor Mike Novotny and his new book, Three Words That Will Change Your Life, The Secret to Experiencing the Joy of God's Presence. Now, Pastor Mike Novotny, who's been featured on this podcast several times, is the co-pastor at The Core. He's the lead speaker for the Media Ministry Time of Grace, and he serves as the chairman of Conquerors Through Christ. Now, three words that will change your life. Those three words are God is here. That tiny little sentence can change everything. Truly understanding God's presence is the key to more happiness, less boredom, more rest, less rush, more love, less drama, more peace, and less fear. A deeply satisfying life does not require a sabbatical, a new career, or a New Year's resolution. As long as God is glorious enough and near enough that you can cast aside cheap substitutes that you've settled for and enjoy life that is truly life here and now. This book will help you shake off the guilt and shame of sin and see yourself as God sees you. Find out the joy he's been waiting to give you as you discover how three little words can revolutionize your relationship with God. Again, Three Words That Will Change Your Life by Mike Novotny. You can find it on Amazon. It dropped on January 7th. It's an excellent book. I got to read it over Christmas, um, and it's uh, it's a good one. Um, there are a few people who have quite the ability to put the Word of God in the vernacular <laughs> that Pastor Mike does. He's like got an awesome, quirky sense of humor. Um, his personality definitely comes out in his writing. Um, it's an enjoyable read. It's a fun book. It's not a particularly difficult read, um, but it will uh, do 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 great things in your spiritual life. Um, whether it's just an affirmation of what you already know and understand about God, or whether you actually learn new things from the book, either of them is possible, depending on where you are in your walk with God. Um, it will be a blessing to you, I guarantee it. So go pick yourself up a copy on Amazon. Uh, thank you, Pastor Mike, for sharing the book with me. Um, and like I said, if I didn't enjoy it and read it, I would not advertise it. Um, I loved the book, and so I'm sharing it with you. I want you to go and read it. Go buy it. Go get a copy. You're going to love it just as much. If you want to hear your product or your company or your ministry uh, advertised on the Gerda Podcast, reach out to me. Let me know. We can make a deal. And uh, I would love to hear from you and help more men of God network with each other um, and find other men of God to chase after the Heavenly Father alongside. Let's get started with our show. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, dudes, we've been talking about men of the Bible. And we've been studying Samson lately. First we studied Gideon, now we've been studying Samson. Today's our last day on Samson, our last week on Samson here. And we're going to examine the end of his life and the idea that even though Samson made some terrible decisions in his life, he did serve the Lord faithfully for 20 years. Um, And when he lost touch with God at the end, um, it was not too late. And it's never too late as long as we still have breath in our lungs and a soul in our chest. 
um, it is not too late. So we're going to read about the death of Samson from Judges chapter 16, starting at verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were still in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us! So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. When Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one on his right and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more men when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to his father or went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtetol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. And he led Israel for 20 years. Now, as a child, there were two things that I loved more than any other. Jesus and Green Bay Packers. But often, we were on the road and the Packer games in those years were enjoyed through the voice of Wayne Larravee on the radio. If you're a Packer fan, you know him. My favorite moment in every Packer broadcast is the moment when the soon-to-be-victorious green and gold seal the deal. They score an insurance touchdown, or they pounce on a key turnover late in the fourth quarter, and Wayne Larrabee shouts into the microphone, and there is your dagger! It's the instant that the enemy realizes he's been defeated, and that victory is nearly unachievable, and a comeback is very unlikely. And my friends and I all high-five, and we smile as the other team hangs their heads, and they sulk back to the sideline like the losers they are. At least for the day. (laughs) But sometimes Wayne is wrong. It's not often. He's a wise man. But every once in a while, Wayne pulls the trigger too soon. Wayne believes the opponent has been vanquished. But it's not until the clock. It's not over until the clock reaches zero seconds. As the Packers sideline watches in supreme confidence, something somewhere goes terribly wrong. And the game is wrenched from their hands. Sanson's life looked like it was over, and in truth, it nearly was. Samson had been betrayed again by a lover. This time, he was broken. His galvanting and promiscuity and willfully sinful lifestyle had cost him dearly, and the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Samson, the once undefeatable hero, a real-life Superman, had his head shaved, his eyes gouged out, and was rotting in a Philistine prison, saved for festivals when he would be brought out and put on display like a zoo animal for people to sneer at. But Samson's story and God's plan was not over yet. Standing naked and ashamed in the largest of the Philistines' heathen temples, gawked at by the biggest crowd of mockers he'd encountered yet, Samson muttered a simple prayer. Lord, remember me. God, strengthen me one last time and give me revenge on your enemies. The father heard Samson's prayer. He granted his servant's final request, and as the building came down and thousands of Philistines with it, Samson cried, Let me die with the Philistines! 
Samson's greatest victory was won not on the field of battle, but in the moment of his death, as he killed more men on his last day than he had throughout his entire lifetime. It's easy to believe that my sins are too great, that my guilt is too strong, or that I've been too wicked for the Father's forgiveness to find me. And this isn't far from the truth. In fact, only a great love, a supernatural love, a perfect love, could possibly cleanse us of the stains and scars we carry on our souls. Only a self-sacrificing God could free us from this burden. Only the Creator could come down and recreate us new. How gracious, then, is the Lord. He is mighty and strong to save. Cry out to your Father. Ask for forgiveness for the sake of the Son. Lay down your burdens at the feet of your Savior and pick up the tune. Singing with the saints triumphant in the greatness of our God, walk each day in his confidence. Your sins have been forgiven, and your story isn't over yet. Write the next chapter in victory by Jesus' blood. Let's reflect on this, gentlemen. Have you ever had the feeling that an effort is too little too late? That what you were doing was too little too late? Have you ever felt that way about your spiritual life and relationship with God? That you've sinned too greatly? Um, Any effort now to recover is too little too late? Do you feel it now? I want you to meditate on those moments in your life and determine, first of all, how did you get to that point? How did you get to a point where you were so low that you believed you had done too much for the for the forgiveness of the Father to find you? And second, how did God see you through? Because I guarantee the Lord didn't actually abandon you. How did the Lord see you through that moment? How did you get to the point where you thought that? And how did the Lord see you through? Uh, and I think about those, I think, um, but usually it starts with not spending time in the Word, straying from the Lord, not spending time with Him as I should, not valuing Him as I should, and then sins start to crop up, right? First they're little ones, and I'm like, nah, it's not such a big deal, and they turn into big ones. And then those sins start compounding. I was having a conversation um, a couple of weeks ago with a young lady from church. She was talking about that. It started out as a conversation about success. People were saying things that, uh, time wasters, right? Things that waste your time, um, cause you to waste time, and then you feel bad about wasting time, and then you waste more time feeling bad about how you waste time, right? Well, the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. We sin, and we feel distant from God, and because we feel distant from God, we're like, oh, I'm not close to God anymore, and because I don't feel close to God anymore, then I go and do more ridiculous things and get further from the Lord, and then things just start to compound, and sooner than later, I end up farther and farther from my Heavenly Father. The truth is, God never left us. God was always here. And the reality is um, that He has never left us and He never will. Um, But that doesn't mean I can't distance myself from Him. So, think about those moments in your life. Meditate on it. Determine how you got there and how God saw you through. Second, in the New Testament, Christ and the apostles make it clear that anyone who at the moment of death confesses Christ as his Savior is indeed saved. So why is it often difficult to believe this? And how can it be true? Why is it hard for us as Christians, particularly lifelong Christians, to believe that people can convert on a moment of death and find themselves in heaven? And why is it so hard for us to believe um, that God will save them? I think it's a pride thing. Um, But it also is the reality that I've already been saved in eternity. My soul already rests with the Heavenly Father because he lives out time, outside of time and outside of God, or outside of time in eternity. But it's hard for us to believe that. I want you to think about why is it tough for us to believe that people who confess at the last, who confess Jesus at the last, 
are saved, even if they've lived incredibly sinful lives. We hear that conversation a lot in like catechism class about you know, serial killers and murderers, right? Does God really save them? Well, yeah. He does if they confess him as the one who forgives sins. Why is it hard for us to believe? How can this be true? Finally, if no moment of life is really too late, then how does this change the way we do ministry? How does this idea, how does this reality that no moment is ever too late to be saved, um, as long as there's still life, there's no, it's not too late. How does this change the way we do ministry? Is there anyone who must remain outside of God's favor? Why are we not? I would venture to argue that it helps us pursue some of those people who are lost. And I think sometimes we think people's hearts are hardened when they haven't been hardened yet. Uh, we see people who have lived lives of sin and we you know, just immediately condemn them and say they're not going to listen. They don't want to hear what I have to say and we don't even try, right? Um, Jesus did not come to heal the healthy. He came to heal the sick. A doctor is a fool to try and heal the healthy. A wise doctor seeks out the sick. Jesus did the same. And so sometimes the sickest people in our lives are the hardest to talk to, are the hardest to confront about their sin, but they're also the people who most desperately need to hear the, the gospel message. They are also the people who most desperately need to hear about the love of the Father who died for us, who has risen again, and who invites us to live with him in eternity. Three things to reflect on today. Um, have you ever had the feeling that you're doing too little too late or that uh, any effort to rebuild your relationship with the Father is too little too late? I want you to think about that. Um, how did you get to that point and how did God see you through that difficult time? Second, in the New Testament, Christ and the apostles make it clear that anyone who at the moment of death confesses Christ as a Savior is saved. Why is it so hard for us to believe that? And how is it possible that that could be true? And finally, if no moment of life is too late, how does that change the way we do ministry? Is there really anyone who's outside of possibility, who, who cannot be saved, who must remain outside of the love of God, who must remain outside of God's favor? Why? Why or why not? Let's pray about these things, fellas. Father, you are good, and you have sent a Savior not to those who've earned or deserved it, but to miserable sinners. Help us to overcome our unbelief and cling to your Son for life, claiming as our own the redemption his sacrifice wrought. Help us to live lives of love and service to you, walking in your mercy and forgiveness all the days of our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.